you guys. You guys. It's been a few weeks. I'm sorry. I've already apologized once during the making of this podcast, which, considering this is only the fifth episode, that's not good. That's not good that I would apologize twice in five episodes for not producing content as regularly as I would like, and as regularly as the two of you out there who listen to this would like as well. But I have good reason. See, I've been trapped in the Commonwealth over the last few weeks. So that explains the absence, but I I understand that it doesn't necessarily justify it. Though, why do I have to feel bad about that? Okay, I've been playing Fallout 4 instead of learning Unity because I'm an adult and I'm allowed to make those kinds of decisions. Unfortunately, what comes along with adulthood and making such decisions is the guilt for pursuing those worldly pleasures instead of intellectual pursuits. So, I'm guilt-ridden. It's like I've eaten a hooker and had sex with a pint of ice cream. And I know what you're thinking, Caleb, did you reverse those? No. I'm an adult. I can do what I want. Which includes eating hookers and having sex with ice cream. Dairy products of any sort, really, if I want to. I don't have to limit it to ice cream. I could eat yogurt, maybe. Maybe uh, even a popsicle. I mean, that's not technically dairy, but it is in the frozen section. You know, why not? I can experiment. But none of that matters anymore because I am back. And I am still playing Fallout 4. And I have recently defiled my third pint of ice cream this month. So I cannot promise that this podcast will continue with regularity over the coming couple of months or a couple of weeks maybe a couple of months I don't know but it all depends on when I sort of fall out of favor of Fallout 4 should be pretty soon I've already beaten the game I've done most of the quests in the game I'm nerding out about this so much guys I'm sorry but I I will though I believe try to leverage my Fallout 4 playing for a future Def Duck episode not that it's going to be an episode about Fallout 4 specifically, but about the idea that playing a game is, is helps you learn games. And I'll get into it a little bit more when that episode comes up. It might be the next episode, episode 6, but basically the concept is is that Fallout 4 is the first video game, first contemporary video game I've played in a while. And so I had fallen out of, of video games, hadn't really played them too much, and it seemed weird not to play video games when I'm trying to learn how to make them. And so I approached Fallout 4 with, with that from that filter, the filter of someone trying to learn how video games work and try to understand video games. And I actually did come away with quite a few things, so it wasn't all for naught, I promise. And again, why am I apologizing? I'm an adult, remember? That's what we do. We, we find ways to feel less guilty for things. But now on to the core of this podcast. If this is the first time that you've heard this podcast, uh, I suggest you go back to episode one, though it's not serialized, so really you can start wherever you want. Uh, It's basically a podcast about my journey to learn Unity and also C-sharp, or as much C-sharp as I need to in order to learn Unity, Unity, the 3D game development engine. Uh, I am currently taking a course called Learn to Code by Making Games, the Complete Unity Developer by Ben Tristam and Bryce Fernandez, and that is through Udemy.com. I don't know that you would necessarily have to be also taking that course to follow along with this podcast. Primarily, this is a podcast for people who are learning Unity or you know, I think they're pretty good at Unity and maybe just want to reacquaint themselves with a dummy like me and and the mindset of someone who is brand new to Unity. Uh, But it's basically for anyone who is also learning Unity primarily and wants to be motivated to keep learning it. That's why I started this podcast. It was really just to keep myself motivated. I, I tend to start things 
and not necessarily see them through sometimes. And so I really wanted to wait a way to keep me going, uh, which is why if you're listening to this, I would really appreciate any sort of comments, feedback that you have at my, at my website, calebjross.com. Or you can send something to me at Twitter at Caleb J. Ross as well on Twitter. Um, or if you're in, if you are taking this course through Udemy, um, I'm also in those discussion forums every once in a while. So leave a note. It just, it would really just mean a lot to me to know that you're listening and to know that this is helping you out at all. And also some pointers. If I get something wrong as I'm talking through this, definitely point that out as well. Again, I'm talking about this as I'm learning. So there's a good chance that a lot of what I'm talking about is completely wrong. So please call me out on it. I would appreciate that. I'll first get into my progress of the course so far. Um, I did just finish, just as in before I started playing Fallout 4, finished the Brick Breaker game. Uh, So I'm at the end of Section 5, Lecture 90 out of 300-ish lectures. I can never remember the exact number. One of these days I'm actually going to to learn that. So the game, my version of which I've called Grayscale, and so I will douchily refer to it as such for the remainder of this episode rather than just a brick breaker, which everyone would understand, again, because I'm an adult. It incorporates a lot of elements which aren't part of the core tutorial, and I feel like creating this game was a true leap in my knowledge acquisition for Unity, you know, rather than the small hops I've been making so far. Um, this isn't to say that those previous hops are any less difficult, especially at the beginning, but they, they are less noticeable and less impressive to me than I feel like this latest leap has been. I'll dig a little bit deeper into what I mean by this feels like I've, I've taken a real leap in the knowledge. I'll get into that in the what I've learned section um, in just a, a couple minutes. But first, in terms of progress, the other thing I want to mention is that I did use an asset from the asset store for the very first time. Uh, the asset store uh, is super intimidating. Uh, it's super intimidating to me still, but I felt as though I, I should at least explore it, see what it's about. And I ended up finding an asset called iTween, which is just a tool used to, to tween objects. Um, I think I used that word correctly, but basically put objects on a path or align objects to a path and allow them to do predictable things. And I guess to say it differently, it's it's also a way to move an object from point A to point B and have it do something in between. So not necessarily just follow a path, but sometimes in some cases you can morph the object from one look to another look. I'm mostly familiar with the term tween. I used to do uh, a flash animation, uh, macromedia flash animation years and years ago, and there was tweening in that. So that's kind of where I'm assuming iTween came from on that. Also, the one function I used with this iTween asset, which I will link to in the show notes below, by the way, is the tweening aspect of it, the part I'm familiar with. So there's a, I I feel like my experience with the asset store was simple enough, very easy to download things. Although, like with all things C-sharp and with all things Unity, I'm... There's so many, so much I'm not familiar with, so much, so much verbiage, so much jargon that I'm not familiar with, uh, and just the concept of where do I start in the asset store was, it was difficult. I was looking for some consistency, right? I was looking for, okay, every asset will have these particular things, and if I can just align myself to what those particular things are, whether that those things be, you know, every asset's going to have a, a common folder structure. So I know exactly what it is, all the components, every, everyone's going to have a readme file kind of thing. If I felt like all of them ha- have this consistent package, it would help me navigate it a little bit easier. What I've learned is that they really don't. Um, you can kind of upload whatever you want and there's no real consistency. So it really takes knowledge of coding to some degree to really even use the assets, which makes sense, of course. You couldn't use an asset without knowing anything about coding. But... Uh, I did find myself navigating that probably quite a bit more than I will in the in the future, simply because I will know more in the future. 
but what I did was I, I downloaded this this iTween app. I, I unpackaged it um, from within Unity. It basically put uh, my folders if, with the folder structure in my folder navigation section of the Unity um, Unity interface. I wish I could remember the name of the actual interface. Now that I'm talking through it, I should learn that kind of stuff. And it just packaged it, put it there. Um, this particular asset came with a demo file, um, so a demo scene. So basically I just opened up that scene and I kind of saw what this was supposed to do and I just hijacked the code from that demo scene. So rather than actually dig into the true capabilities of this plugin, of this asset, I decided just to kind of break down what the what was in the sample and that provided me with exactly what I needed. I didn't nearly need anything else. Uh, that's probably enough on that. I, th I feel like I'm speaking too much in intangibles and it's probably difficult to really grasp what I'm talking about. So I will move, not not for lack of knowledge or anything, but simply because describing it, describing something that's inherently visual using just words and audio is, is sometimes kind of difficult. And that's the difficulty I'm having here right now. So I will move right into the what I've learned section. Uh, and this will get a little bit more into uh, the actual grayscale game. So as I alluded to earlier, something just clicked for me when I was building this grayscale game. I, I think I finally began to understand how scripts work and how they interact with one another. My biggest breakthrough was coming to terms with the idea that a single game, even shit, a single character, may have many, many scripts associated with it. Uh, I come from an SEO background, a search engine optimization background, and so I've always stressed to my developers, uh, the developers that, that I work with, to use as little code as possible. The very general statement being less code equals faster loading. Obviously, again, very, very general, and I'm learning that as I'm learning more about code, but but generally, you know, the fewer lines of code, the faster something is gonna load and, and, and for our purposes. So therefore, when I was taking this Unity course, I was so averse to creating new scripts every time I wanted something seemingly simple. You know, I thought to myself, uh, why can't I just bundle all of these methods into a single script, right? Wouldn't that be so much easier? Wouldn't it be so much cleaner? And what I'm learning is that it, it's okay to have a ton of scripts. I'm getting comfortable with that idea. And this shows, I think, with the Block Breaker game, with Grayscale, which is definitely the most off-tutorial thing I've done. I, you know, I did so much that was outside of the tutorial. So it j just made for a game development process that really taught me quite a bit. To... To be a little bit more specific, I think one example um, I can give is that there was a part of the game where I wanted to perform a certain action when a player lost a ball and and a different action when the player won a level, so advanced to the next level. And I wanted it to be more than you simply are, you know, the, the load manager or the level manager simply populates you into a new scene and you start. Uh, I wanted there to be some sort of animation between scenes. I wanted there to be a, a, some some sort of subtle animation from one scene to the next in terms of progression. You go to a new new level, or if you lose all three of your balls and you lose the game, I wanted something to be there. So I decided that I was going to have the background uh, shift either uh, positively along the y-axis or negatively along the y-axis. So if you win, the background shifts upwards and it kind of just gives us feeling of you're advancing, right? If you lose, the background falls away, almost as though you like broke a window or something and you kind of failed. Um, and to make things even more complicated, I had the background in three different pieces and each of those pieces would animate at a different speed or at least a different time. There'd be different cues uh, for them to animate. So it just created this, this very subtle but very interesting kind of, kind of animation. 
So logically, I thought I'd store these actions in the level manager script, which already existed, right? The, these actions are going to be based on the advancement of a level, which is already handled within, within the level manager script. However, I didn't want to put everything into the script because I, I fear, feared it would just get way too cumbersome, right? Because again, I had three different methods for each of the background movements. I had three different pieces of the background. Each one of those was its own separate method. Um, and then there was two different directions that those could go either up or down along the y-axis. And so there was a lot of stuff going on there. And so my thinking was, how do I get that to work, right? I, I don't want to put all of these methods into the level manager script necessarily or into a single script. But then my question was, how do I reference a, a method in a different script? And, you, and we've done this throughout the tutorial already, but we did it in a way that, well, it was a tutorial. So I was following instructions and I didn't really know how to do it or I couldn't comprehend how to do it on my own. So, so then I, I kind of thought, well, okay, if I publicly expose the background classes, that's what I call it, the background elements, those three background elements that either move A up or down, that background class, if I publicly expose that, then I can call that class and its methods from that level manager script. And in hindsight, this seems totally obvious uh, for anyone who's even a little bit more advanced than I am is probably thinking, yeah, of course, that's kind of the whole point and that's how it works. It just didn't click for me. And then finally, when I realized it did, it just everything made way more sense. And I feel like that's going to be the way as the way I go about it in the future, it might not be the most efficient, and I think I'm going to learn efficiencies and learn coding constructs and and things like that in the in the more distant future. But to get it to work now, it's working just fine, um, and and you know it's 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 nice. It, I guess here to say it another way, let me try to use a a, a, a strange analogy here. Um, think of it like making a turkey sandwich. So stay with me here. So you have a script. A single script to compile the turkey sandwich but rather than store all of the ingredients in a single turkey sandwich script you decide that you actually want to have each of those ingredients in sec in separate scripts because maybe what you'll want to do is use those ingredients in completely different sandwiches later on down the line so you don't necessarily want to associate pickles only with the turkey sandwich script because you could use pickles in a, a chicken sandwich you could use it in a dagwood sandwich that's an old term i think but um older than i am i'm not old enough to actually use the term dagwood sandwich so if we have those ingredients just in the turkey sandwich yeah you probably could reach into the dagwood sandwich script and pull out the pickle but it seems like it would get very messy very quickly especially as you start throwing in new types of bread and you start throwing in new types of cheese and, and dressings and that sort of thing so in order to future-proof this, I decide that I'm going to put all of my ingredients maybe in a refrigerator script. You know, anything that I need to keep cold, cold ingredients in a refrigerator script, and then dry ingredients in a cupboard script, perhaps. And then in the refrigerator script, I would publicly expose the class using public class refrigerator. Then I would have those various ingredients that I publicly expose as integers. For example, I might have Within this, again, this uh, refrigerator script, I might have public int turkey count for the number of slices of turkey that I want in the sandwich, public int cheese count for the number of slices of cheese, or public bool mustard for like a yes or no, it has mustard, or no, it does not have mustard. That would only really come into play if you're super gross, by the way, because mustard sucks. So you do the same thing for the public class, for, for the, uh, cupboard, the cupboard script. You publicly expose the cupboard class, public class cupboard. Then you have, you know, your public integer bread count for how many slices of bread you want. 
public integer pickle count. Again, you shouldn't need that because pickles are awful. So now what you do is you go back to your turkey sandwich script and you combine all the ingredients by accessing these various public methods. Um, and I'll, I'll run through the method real quick, but I'll also post it in the show notes because it's going to be kind of weird to, to just say it, out, say it audibly. So I have this public void, and then I have maybe compile turkey sandwich as the name of my method, right? And then within that, I have, uh, you know, refrigerator dot turkey count equals two because the first part of that refrigerator, that's the class. I'm accessing the class and the specific method within that class turkey count, I'm setting that equal to two. Refrigerator.cheese count, set that as one. Refrigerator.mustard, set that to false. Cupboard.bread count equals two. Cupboard.pickle count equals zero. And on and on and on. So uh, that's basically the, the method for creating this turkey sandwich. And I, I it, it makes sense to me. Um, again, if anyone out there is listening and, and that definitely does not make sense that I'm thinking about this entirely the wrong way, let me know. But it seems to make sense in my head. Uh, I hope it, if it is correct, I hope it makes sense in, in your head as well. Lastly, before I go on to the final portion of this episode, which will be just an update. I have one little update to make from a previous episode. Uh, you can please check out my Brick Breaker game. You can go to calebjross.com and in the left-hand sidebar, you'll see a an option called Game Dev. And then you click within that, you'll find an option for games and prototypes and you'll see it right there at the top. Uh, it would be really cool if you played it, maybe left me some feedback. Um, I really would appreciate it. Uh, it's Like I said, I'm really proud of it. I feel like it's the first actual game I've made. You know, I've, I've technically made two others before this. But this one is, is just feels more my own than those other ones. Again, it was very off tutorial, so I'm, I'm really proud of it. Lastly, an update in episode two, I believe. I had a statistic there uh, where I mentioned that 42% of the time web developers know exactly what they're doing. And rather, I should state that only 42% of the time web developers know exactly what they were doing. And the context of that was that it, it was encouraging to me that to know that even web developers, uh, veteran web developers are often not sure what they're jumping into. And it takes a lot of, of creative thinking to address problems. And there's very rarely a set firm solution for complicated problems when it comes to web development. You have to be flexible, you have to be nimble, and you have to try to find ways around things. Uh, and I did not know at the time, or I could not remember at the time, where that actual statistic came from. So I did find that. At least I found a version of it. The original version is no longer online, but I did find someone else who cited that source and I think inc included some screenshots from a presentation that was given, which included that uh, that statistic. So I will link to that in the show notes for sure. That's it. I appreciate everyone for listening to this and, and please subscribe. Uh, you can go to iTunes to subscribe. You can go to calebjross.com and see all of the options to subscribe there. Contact me at Twitter at Caleb J. Ross. Facebook as well if you'd like, if you're more of a Facebook person, facebook.com slash Ross Caleb. Uh, yeah, all those links are on my website. Again, I really do appreciate it and I hope to really jump full force into Unity once again very soon. I'm looking forward to this Laser Defender game uh, that is the next one on the list. Thank you so much, everyone.